Far to the south of Amilta, there is a chain of islands surrounded by mist and jagged stones like the teeth of a monster. Here, the princess of the southern islands lies in wait for passing ships to deliver her favorite delicacy, raw human flesh, which she devours without hesitation or mercy. In a particular castle, half sunken beneath the veldt, overgrown by ancient orange trees, there is a grand hall adorned in rose gold. Here the Emerald Duchess sits, admiring her riches and pacing around a domain that is entirely hers, where none can interfere with her. In a small shrine just north of Hushwave City, called Escape Route of the South Wind, the Radiant Prince sits impudently on an ancient altar to await tribute from passers-by. Like the tales of so many of his kind, his is a story bound to a place, tied inextricably to a particular piece of the world. So many of his kind, but not all. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. your host, your king, and your ambassador in Pearl. It's me, Kat. <laughs> Hi, Kat. Hi. Wow, that's like more words than the ambassador said to us in like that entire arc. This is absolutely true. <laughs> I would not make a good ambassador in Pearl. <laughs> I just really wanted to do some stabbing. <laughs> With me, our impudent, whittle, radiant princess, it's Kirsten. That's me. Here to devour careless passersby, it's Kathleen. Nom. And really just kind of hoping to be left alone, it's Nick. I'm also here. Hooray! Apparently, though, I've, I've already not been left alone, so, well, there's always next time. There's always next time. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party discovered that Fulquin, Rada, and Daybreak had been attacked by a noble demon called the Chosen Emperor, who had seemingly targeted them for the purpose of taking Fulquin's staff, which bears a stone she refers to as Juga. And now they are recovering under the auspices of Isabella Fontaine. And what party do? It is, we're going to say, later that night. Everyone is gathered at the lodge for dinner. Isabella is having a quiet dinner with her father, trying to uh, explain away the damage that was dealt to their establishment. And everyone else is at the checkerboard lodge. Rada is still a mess of bandages, and so is Fulquin. Daybreak is doing a pretty okay job of pretending to be a human, with the exception of those teeth, which they never really try very hard to get rid of. <laughs> Daybreak has just a pile of roasted meat in front of them. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Do you ever bite yourself? Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's hard to do, but yeah. Mm. Don't you? Um, I try not to, I guess. It just, mm, mouth shape. Mouth shapes. And Daybreak nods. Mouth shapes. Cobb is just kind of like quietly eating, I don't know, some sort of fish thing and just sort of wondering 
what we're gonna do about this this stolen the stolen friend basically. Mm. Sot is seated next to Cobb. He's just kind of quietly eating. He ordered, of course, the same thing Cobb did. He's just kind of picking at it, though. Gideon has just kind of like daybreak an absolutely heaped up plate. Hers is mostly like fresh fruits and vegetables. She has completely lost her appetite for fish over the past five years. Who could blame her? <laughs> so we agree it's weird when they walk around like this, yes? I don't know a lot about noble demons, Gideon says with a little tomato perched on the end of her fork that she's gesticulating with. But everything I've read says you're right. Yeah, it's like demons sometimes like poke around in a territory. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, this is... Hmm. Hmm. Mostly in... I guess I'm also a little worried because the last time we ran into one who didn't stay put, um, it was a bit of an ordeal. And Cobb just kind of like looks at his fish. Well, not really like, uh, shall we say, pointing anyone specific out. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to draw attention to anyone in particular. It was, (laughs) it was a lot. (sighs) Ah! Rada just kind of slams their fork and knife down on the table and flops over backward in their chair. It's kind of snarling at the ceiling. I hate this! Ah! We'll get it back. We'll, we'll make sure that everything's okay. Yeah, I can't imagine, other than being exceptionally aggressive and uh, unfriendly, shall we say, I don't imagine that whoever it was collecting these pieces is up to any good. Well, I mean, maybe. I guess I'm I'm assigning perhaps too much uh, human trait to them. Maybe they just want to collect them because they want to collect them. I'm... yeah, but like... uh, It's not like they're his. True. I was thinking, well... They didn't ask to be collected, though, now, did they? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, um... And Fulkwin, who has absolutely not been eating. Yeah? Um... Where did you find the little piece? Um... On the mountain, uh, there was this tree that brought it up from the ground. I think the tree had been growing around it. All the way up on the last tooth, yeah. It's a tree, and it looks just like the ones that Juka made. Oh. With you? Yeah. The nice ones. With the flowers. And it was already in bloom? Mm Mm-hmm. I guess. Are they always in bloom? Yeah. Yeah, I guess they are. Huh. I never used to think about it. Um, when did you meet? Um, 
it was a couple years ago. I was out on a walk and I thought I heard somebody. I thought they might be in trouble, so I went to go see where the voice was coming from and I found a tree. And then I heard somebody who definitely wasn't there telling me to dig. So I did. And under the roots, there was a little stone. Well, that matches what we found, although... How, how did we find it again? I didn't hear anything. The tree. We, I, I can't... Was it you, Tissa? I think you remembered the tree from... Yeah. Yeah, we saw the tree, and then... Um, you and I went up to it, and we were gonna dig, but, um, we asked the tree, and the tree just gave us the little pebble, the really bright pebble. Hmm. That's how I remember it. Okay, so we gotta find another tree, then! Rada flops forward as dramatically as they flopped backward. Uh, yeah, that sounds probably, then, if the trees usually grow around these, then that would make sense. Well, so do we... I guess, I don't know how it works. Is it the same person? Or I guess, is it the same Daleth that speaks out of each piece? Daleth? Daleth. It's the only thing I can think of that acts like that. It was his voice coming out of the little piece, too. It was the same voice. I know it. That's why. Maybe I don't need my piece back. Maybe another one would be okay. Hmm. Maybe Rod is right. Well, I guess if it's any piece, then we're going to have to find another one of those trees. And at this point, I would like everyone to roll me an understanding roll. Pick your skill. What's on your mind? Uh, Cobb is going to roll understanding survival. He's thinking He's thinking about trees. Think about trees. Uh, decent roll. Two successes. That's actually pretty um, good for Cobb and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Two successes. What about Tiss and Penelope? This is rolling understanding focus to go back through her memories and see if she remembers anything. Mm -hmm. And she got two successes and a four. Okay. Because she's thinking about this tree specifically, and Kathleen knows a couple of places where they are. <laughs> Tissa might. Tissa might. What about Penelope? I think... Penelope's going to do understanding survival to see, yeah, what kind of areas perhaps these trees grow in, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I think, could um, Penelope use from her key growth for, like, growing things? Oh, that's a really interesting use of your key, bud, but I like it. Yes. Okay. I like it a lot. Use those tree powers. Extra dice, extra dice. Normally it's about uh, kind of fostering growth in others, but yep. Penelope pays attention to growing things. That's uh, no, I was like, huh. <laughs> it's a little wordplay, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> T 
two successes, two edge. Okay. Let me think. Cub, you remember something peculiar. When you went to the Valley of the Conqueror to retrieve the Conqueror's coin as part of your race with Clara, there was a tree there with little star-shaped white blossoms. Now that you think about it, didn't really look like it belonged there. You were worried about other things at the time. While we're talking about growth, the site of one of your earliest failures in this podcast, Escape Route of the South Wind, had such a tree growing behind the shrine. You remember seeing it from the roof of the shrine as you hauled a struggling Clara up through a hole in the roof. Oh, yeah. Tessa remembers both clearly, but especially the Valley of the Conqueror. Because I think at that time, especially, Tissa was very caught up in the nature of the place. Mm-hmm. In the kind of place that the Valley of the Conqueror is. And this indescribable feeling that there was a treasure buried there. Um, big guy, do you remember that little island through the channel? And the island was really still and you were all in a really big hurry but there was this sense of peace like someone had stopped doing something they didn't need to do in a in a hurry actually yeah now that you mention it Tissa, i do remember seeing a tree like that during our race where we won the the westbreaker right yeah because that's where the other flower was yes 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 Okay, I remember now. Should we look there, then? Well, that's the only place I can think of. Anyone remember anywhere else? Penelope shakes her head. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, I would... I would like to go, please. Of course. (laughs) Thank you all. Oh, certainly. Well, we were kind of heading, or at least I was planning on heading in that direction anyways. Hmm. After that, I have a favor to ask. A bigger one. Can you help us get to the last tooth? Certainly. It's not like we haven't been there before. I can take us to the last tooth. Rada's still kind of flopping around dramatically irritated. But shouldn't... Shouldn't you rest? You're injured. But I mean, they're right. They could. We were just there, though. I... Hmm. I want to learn more about demons. Hmm. And the people there know everything there is. Mm. And I don't want to make Rada and Jem carry me. Can I make you guys carry me a little? Of course. I'm sure Polly would also be happy to. <laughs> Rada shoots Penelope an absolutely venomous look. <laughs> um, I'm going to roll to see if... Let's see, uh, sensitivity humanity. Is Penelope picking up on this? 
Actually, two successes, so maybe? Yeah. And an edge, actually. <laughs> two successes will let you catch that your offering to carry Fulquin really seemed to upset Rada. Okay. I think Penelope notes this, but doesn't say anything about it yet. She kind of notices, but then doesn't know if it's best time to bring it up. But, big guy, you were thinking of going to Stageport next, right? Well, I, I was planning to go back to Stageport, but I think we can have a couple more days here at Port. Shouldn't be too long. But the tooth? Well, Cobb just kind of leans back in the chair and just raises his hands up and then not dejectedly, but kind of, I guess, determinedly just kind of goes, those who can help should. So, yeah, we can go. We can go to the last tooth. You you can just leave us on the coast. We can get there from there. It's on the way to Stageport, so you won't have to go far. Wait, huh? I thought that the last tooth was on the... was the more eastwards. Uh, basically the... Uh, just for a bit of a geography lesson, Hushwave City is basically the southeast corner of Amilta. Mm-hmm. And Stageport is basically the southwest corner. Yeah, I just thought that the last tooth was east of Hushwave. Nope. It's slightly west, mostly north. Never mind. Now it's my turn to delete this. And Kathleen will whisper, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to plug the map after this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Required reading. Where's everything? Where's everyone? What am I doing? (laughs) Daybreak looks up from their plate with just a mouthful of shredded pork or something. Cobb just kind of like, you got something there on your, you know what, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a port town along the way we can drop you off at. I, I would appreciate it. I'm, I'm not an arcanist, but maybe I can learn something from them that will help next time. Well, we can also give you directions up to uh, a little monastery up there that helped us out when we were in the area. And there's a great little hotel in that you have to stay (laughs) at. (laughs) That sounds nice. Yeah, it'll be another adventure. It'll be nice. There's nothing to be afraid of. Tissa has that look where she knows there's a lot to be afraid of, but she's not going to say that. I think everybody present knows that there's a lot to be afraid of, but nobody says it. Sot kind of shrinks a little bit, but the last tooth is a sore subject for him. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As are any locations where demons roam, really. Anyway, once we find that tree, maybe I won't be, well, I guess not all alone, but, oh, oh, don't look at me like that, Roddy. You know what I mean. 
And Rada eventually just goes back to picking at their food. Daybreak swallows just a big old swordfish steak in one go, which is not great for the pretending to be a human thing, but <laughs> honestly, it's Daybreak, and I don't think you've ever seen Daybreak try particularly hard at that <laughs> game. No, I, I, I get what you're talking about there. It's, um... It can be hard to not have someone there when you're so used to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we can leave whenever you want. It's, well, probably tomorrow morning then, shall we? Yeah. Let's go in the morning. I'm also kind of curious to take the other boat out there, the one that we weren't <laughs> piloting. <laughs> and Cobb's kind of like, I wouldn't say it's a mischievous look, but it's definitely more of a, like, He's going to Cobbtown, like he's thinking about boats and sailing and stuff now, and he's getting really excited. <laughs> Off to Cobbland. Beautiful. Somewhere in there, Cobb is like, I know that I can make a better time with the better ship. Yeah, he's just rubbing his chin. He's just like, yeah. Everyone's like, what? Oh, yeah, sorry. Tomorrow morning, yes. Rada kind of kicks back up into a perfectly upright position and leaves the table. Doesn't say anything, just goes. I think Penelope kind of watches as Rada leaves and is going to do another sensitivity, humanity. Just seeing if there's anything else that she can determine. Yeah. I think I would remember how many dice I rolled just like two minutes ago, but... Oh, (laughs) one edge success. Hmm. I think if you keep the edge success, I will give you some information. However, I don't think I'll let you sit on it. Oh. What you do is up to you, but you will have to do something about the information I give you. Uh, You know what? Penelope's not the most subtle of people, so I think that, yes. Okay, Rada's trying to hide a limp. Oh, okay. Um, I think Penelope kind of gets up from the table and says, Rada, your your leg, it's it's hurt. Uh. Do you do you want some some help? I, I I'm fine, Penelope. Are you sure you're you're limping? Yeah. Yeah, we got messed up a little bit, Penelope. That's what happened. I did but you don't want help with your with your leg? No. To find time to make yourself useful after all and just storms out. I think Penelope doesn't follow. And best to not press Rada this time. Yeah. Um I wonder what that was. I guess stressful situations and then Penelope kind of just sits back down. <laughs> you know Rada, they hate to lose. Mhm. Well, I hope you all get a good night. Everyone gets a good night's sleep and feels all right in the morning. As all right can, as can be, um, considering what happened. And Thank you for worrying. They're, they're doing much better since Isabella helped. Mm. Yeah, they're young. They'll bounce back. But uh, 
Yeah, I felt that sting before. The losing bit, not the, uh... Well, okay, also the leg bit. Not not the bees, because the, the, were there... Was, was it a second type of bees, or were they the same bees, just something different about them? I don't understand that at all. I, I was... Oh, the bee thing? I was being metaphor... And anyways, it's not important. You were being metaphorical, but they're all... Never mind. We're being literal about the bees, though. They're cute. <laughs> What's with this place and bees? There's... They're everywhere, right? Tissa shrugs. Fulquin shrugs. I think Penelope shrugs just to not be left out. <laughs> Gideon shrugs. Daybreak doesn't shrug. Daybreak doesn't. Daybreak doesn't pick up on that particular cue. <laughs> <laughs> they have dragged Rada's plate over in front of them and are finishing it off. Well, give them some time to themselves tonight. Yeah. We can regroup in the morning. I think that before then, I want to find some sea charts. Mm. We had Marcus's maps last time. Oh, yes. Good idea. Oh. Oh, are you going to be working on some navigation? Oh. Yeah, you should come with me. I'd love that. You need to see... Oh, if, if they'll let us in, you need to see the map from. Yeah. So I think that Tissa is going to go to the other half of the checkerboard lodge. Absolutely. The map room. And it's always open. It's not as bustling now as it was last time you went in. Mm-hmm. And I think Penelope is going to come along to observe. Yeah. Penelope, you have not been in the map room of the checkered lodge. It is wildly chaotic. One of the major features are slates with chalk drawings on them. But there's also like charcoal sketches everywhere. There's kind of a large map that's constantly being adjusted. There's papers pretty much everywhere you look. These are, these are gorgeous. Yeah, a lot of people work really, really hard on this. Yeah, it looks so. Wow. There's some faces I haven't seen in a while. And who should look up from the slate but Brid, Marcus's friend from before. Oh, hello. She is, for those of you who didn't listen to season one, a petite volcanic tracker, kind of short with blonde hair tied back in a tight, severe ponytail. She's still wearing her hair the same way. It's probably a habit for her. Dressed in sturdy tracker clothes, hunched over a large slate on which she is sketching a map. Hi. Last time I saw you two, you were as wet as drowned rats. Mm. We, yeah. That's right. (laughs) It must have taken forever to dry out those cushions. Um, um, how are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. Things are a little up in the air lately, but that's always the way around here. Like, yeah, more than usual or just, like, a different than usual? More than usual, but not by more than usual, if that makes sense. Tissa nods. Hmm. Um, I was... We were coming here because I was hoping that I could... up. Some of our charts, some of our sea charts. 
sea charts. Oh, I have so many sea charts. Have a seat. Thank you. And Brid walks over to one of the bookshelves that is just covered in loose paper and books. And there are bottles of ink on this bookshelf, which is unusual. Most of everything is in temporary media, but sea charts are a little easier to illustrate around these parts. And eventually, Brid grabs several pieces of paper and arranges them side by side by side by side in front of her on the slate and stares at them for a while. Tissa also stares at them for a while. They're all maps of the region. They're kind of identical in their projection and their uh, scale. It's not quite the same map. There are differences. And since you're paying attention, you can see that she has put them in chronological order. When are you setting out? Um... Actually, we're going to go back um, through that channel because mm. uh, friends, well, we want to look to see if there's something for a friend. Um, but afterward, um, I think we're heading out in a couple of days. Because, um, oh, oh, that one looks like it's growing fast there, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Coral's agitated about something. Hmm. That happens sometimes. It seems like what everyone always says, that the coral spirit pays a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Even if Shafing doesn't. Or Shafing does... I don't know, everyone always tells me something different about Shafing. Never mind. <laughs> well, the coral father doesn't particularly like to be known. <laughs> That's just not how it is. And Bridge shrugs. The coral spirit used to be one of us and still cares about us. Let's see here. So you're headed to the Valley of the Conqueror and then the Western Sea. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Valley of the Conqueror is going to be a little bit difficult tomorrow. Is it saying it's shallow right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's shallow right now, and one of the islands in the chain, Brid taps on one of the maps, is growing. Oh. The coral's reaching out from it. That happens. Mm-hmm. These aren't going to be safe seas, but you still in that big old ironclad? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe safer for you than it would be for somebody in a wood boat. I mean, the big guy always says, and he's right, and no one does good if they get run aground. Hmm. The big guy's right. And Brid grabs a blank piece of paper and starts sketching on it. Another copy of the maps that are side by side by side in front of her. She closes her eyes. She takes a deep breath. And Tissa, you can vaguely, and maybe Penelope as well, you don't hear a voice, but you get the impression that there is one, if that makes sense. Okay. You become aware of a voice that you can't hear. And then Brid opens her eyes and finishes sketching. All right. Here's the Valley of the Conqueror as it should be tomorrow. Oh. She folds the paper and hands it to Tissa. Thank you. 
Careful out there. It's not going to be easy going. At least this time we're going in the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. There are, are still horror sightings in the valley. After that, and Brid goes back to the shelf and grabs a piece of paper with an ink map printed on it and hands it to Penelope. Western Sea doesn't change much. Oh. Once you get out of the bay, this will get you there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, um, I'll take good care of it. Whatever you do, don't go too far south. Oh, okay. What's... What's beyond, like, is... Is it dangerous currents or coastlines or both? Worse. Oh. And she unfolds the map that she just handed you. She takes it and she spreads it out and she points to a chain of islands. These. This is where the princess lives. Do not go there. Oh, okay. Yeah, did they tell you stories about her too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of folk who come back to tell stories about the princess, but I've heard some. I, I, I take it the princess doesn't take too kindly with people coming to the island? Yeah, she loves it. She loves when people come to the islands. Oh? People are her favorite food. Uh, uh, oh. Penelope kind of hides a bit of a shiver. <laughs> Don't go there. <clears throat> yeah, I would prefer not to become someone's lunch. <laughs> I doubt there's a pocket big enough. That was cat. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And Brid kind of crosses the room and grabs a lantern and sets to lighting it. The sun is starting to go down and Brid's settling in for a night shift. Um, can we bring anything for you? You've been very helpful. You know... You know, a pot of tea would be great. Yeah. Yeah, we can find tea. Oh, yeah. Just tell the kitchen it's for me. They know what I like. So meanwhile, Cobble is sitting at the table with Fulquin and Daybreak and Gideon and Sot. Sot is kind of beginning to do that little kid trying to stay awake thing. Uh, I think it's probably about time that the rest of us uh, got over there. Hey, um, Gideon, if you could, here, uh, does somebody have a piece of a piece of paper? Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ged fishes out a piece of paper. And Cobb scribbles down just some stuff to get. Could you go run out and get some of this stuff before we head off, Gideon? I'm going to take Sot back to the boat. Sure thing. There's some uh, extra meds and stuff in there for our... Um, wounded comrade, although I think their pride may be a little bit more damaged than the rest of them, but there's some painkillers in there and a little something else to help keep them up and running, so. Oh, um, if you're going to the apothecary, tell Isabella thanks for me. And Gideon nods and folds up the shopping list, gives a big old stretch. She's not particularly big, but her gesture is. Hmm. Wonder if Tiss is up for a shopping trip. It's a lovely night. Okay, uh, off I go. And she saunters on out, notably not toward the exit. 
daybreak eventually finishes anything anyone has left behind. <laughs> mostly meat. Absolutely mostly meat. And they kind of start rolling and stretching their joints in a way that moves beyond a human's normal <laughs> range of motion. Doing that like, uh, what, like some large birds and some fish and like reptiles that have the exceptionally large jaws that dislocate them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if the rest of you don't have anywhere else, you're welcome to stay on the ship tonight, but I think me and Mr. Sot need to get moving on. Mm-hmm. I'm up. I'm up, Captain. Mm. I'm awake. Um, I'm gonna stay at the lodge tonight. I don't want to leave Rada on their own. But thanks. Now just remember, if you and Rada would both like to stay out the ship, uh, we're on pier, the red pier, whatever the pier system is called here. We're there. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm excited to see the ship after Penelope told us about it. It's quite the ship. I think you'll really enjoy it. And yeah, we'll see you in the morning. Take it easy out there. Y yeah. Thanks. All right, come on, Mr. Sot, let's go. And Cobb kind of, like, picks him up and, and piggybacks him on out as he's slowly. Mm -hmm. He protests for approximately two minutes and then falls asleep against the back of Cobb's neck. And outside the lodge, night is setting in. The air is finally starting to cool down. The shadows are lengthening. The sky is a gorgeous indigo, and the stars are just peeking out. And I do think it's memory time. Give me your memories, please. It was cool to see Brit again. Yeah. It was nice to run into a, a friendly, familiar face. Yeah. Wasn't at all because I don't want to have to come up with more NPC. <laughs> <laughs> Something else entirely. Well, I'm blah, 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 storytelling, being conservative about the number of characters you introduce, mm. et cetera. Conservation of detail. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very deliberate, I assure you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's what you get from an experienced, like, writer, like, as mm. a GM, you know? Yeah. Just natural. Yeah. No, but for real, I am enjoying this kind of prospect of going back and revisiting some places. Oh, I'm glad. Me too, to be honest with you. I like the Valley of the Conqueror. I'm enjoying learning more about um, Fulquin and Rada. I'm looking forward to, you know, through this arc, getting to know their characters even better. Because um, I enjoyed the first time, so... I'm I'm excited. Yeah. To see these familiar faces again. Uh by the way, is this the um is this the Penelope character arc? Is that what's happening? This is the Penelope character arc, and I I suppose at this point we should let the listener know that we've changed Penelope's lesson. <laughs> she kind of yes. learned it before she was supposed to learn it because Penelope is like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> when you try and teach Penelope something, it won't stick. 
But when Penelope wants to learn something, it is there. Mm. <laughs> mm. Valid. Yeah. So in this arc, we're going to be trying to teach Penelope to maybe pay a little more attention to the feelings of the people around her. Mm-hmm. We're going to see if that sticks. It might. It might. Perhaps. It might. Perhaps she might it have might. some uh, very patient teachers. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> Perhaps she'll have some impatient teachers. We'll see. We'll see. Em- empathy will <laughs> go up, but pocket snacks will never end. <laughs> pocket snacks are eternal. She will just now understand how uh, uncomfortable people are about pocket snacks, but that is one thing that will not change. Oh, yeah. Understanding people aren't comfortable with the pocket snacks is not going to preclude having the pocket snacks. No. That's not how this works. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for playing with me this week. It was a blast. I always love our game times, and I always love that we can, you know, have other people join us, too. Mm. Through the magic of the internet. The internet is magic. And you can use some of that magic to find us. Absolutely. And I was going to do the rest of that spiel, but I forgot. (laughs) If you use the incantation at Peach Garden RPGs on Twitter, (laughs) you can find us. Or you can visit peachgardengames.com and there's an email form you can use to get a hold of us. And if you want to chat with us on Discord, we have the Heroic Discord, which is linked in the show notes. And we are also hanging around in the Be Gay Roll Dice Network Discord. You can also meet our cool network friends, which you will not regret in a million years. They're just perfect. Completely without flaw. Not a one of them has got a flaw to their name. It's infuriating. <laughs> Speaking of people without human flaws, thanks for joining us, listener. We'll see you we all next you. time. See you next time. Bye. 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 Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. The year is 2225, and the end of the universe is nigh. Welcome to the Junket Podcast. The Junket Podcast is an actual play and really gay TTRPG adventure currently running the Maelstrom campaign, a science fiction take on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition featuring spaceships, space aliens, and a whole bunch of space gays. Follow a found family of misfits and miscreants on a cosmic caper that features science and magic, love, loss, and a whole lot of laughter. Who knows, maybe they'll even save the universe or something along the way. Did that tickle your fancy? If it did, new episodes launch every other Thursday at 5pm GMT on all major and minor podcasting platforms. See you soon in the Maelstrom Galaxy.